1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. All we have to do is just turn to Jesus Christ. And He receives us. If we draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. And it doesn't matter what your history is or how long you've rebelled against Him or how long you've, you've walked contrary to Him. If you turn to Jesus Christ, He will turn to you. And He will forgive you, and you can start fresh today. His mercies are new every morning.
1: God's people often turned away from Him, scorned and mocked Him, and completely rebelled and rejected His Word. Yet, instead of forsaking His people, God sent messengers with the call to return to Him. Prophets sent by God brought these messages to repent, walk away from sin, and turn wholeheartedly to God. Today, Pastor Dan will describe God's kindness and love, and how He offered forgiveness to any who'd return to Him in this way. No matter what you've done, turn to God today, and He'll receive you and forgive you. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Malachi chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Two and three, Malachi has in view the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the first coming, Jesus came to die for the sins of the world on the cross. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he comes again the second time to the earth, he will come not as a savior, but as a judge to judge the earth. And so Malachi speaks of his first coming in verse one and his second coming in verse two. And they kind of blend together here uh, in this passage. If you remember, even with John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a little confused about the first and second coming of Jesus. He describes Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But he also says of Jesus, his axe is at the root. He's ready to cut down the tree, you know. And, and, And so John saw both the first and second coming of Jesus. John the Baptist even sent his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the coming one? Or should we be looking for someone else? And and so John even wasn't clear on the first advent and the second advent. As we see here with Malachi, both are spoken of in verses 1 and verse 2. Isaiah 61 also speaks of both his first and second advent. If you remember in Luke's gospel, you don't have to turn there. In Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 4 At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, in the town where he grew up, and he was asked to give the teaching that day, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opens to Isaiah 61, and he begins to read, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he stops and he closes the scroll and he hands it back to the servant and he sits down and all eyes were fixed upon him. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But when he read to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that's actually in the middle of a verse in Isaiah 61. He stops in the middle of a sentence. He doesn't read the whole verse. He stops in the middle of the verse. The second half of that verse says, and the day of vengeance of our God. The second half of the verse refers to a second coming. That will be the day of God's vengeance. Jesus didn't read that. He stopped after saying to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord because that's his first coming. At his second coming, that will be the day of vengeance of our God. And so uh, we we are living right on that comma there in that verse between The acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. That's right where we are. And so even in Isaiah, you see both the first and second coming, as you do here in Malachi, both events are in view. At his second coming, Jesus will judge. Look at verse 2 again. He he will be a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. Again, verse 3, he says... He will sit as a refiner and and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. He will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. He will purify and cleanse the sons of Levi. Remember, the priests were sons of Levi. They came from the tribe of Levi. And if you remember, the priests were leading the nation into rebellion and sin and, and were affirming the sins of the people. And when Jesus returns at his second coming, he will purge and purify the Levites, the priesthood, so that they offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then, verse 4, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. As in the days of old, as in former years, and I will come near you for judgment. Verse 5. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, liars, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien. That doesn't mean someone from outer space, but someone from another country. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. This again, it's talking about the second coming Of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, he will judge sin. He will judge ungodliness and unrighteousness. And notice, please, at the end of verse 5, underline it in your Bible the cause of all the sin and ungodliness in the nation of Israel was because they did not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. That was the root cause of all of the ungodliness, all of the wickedness in the nation. They no longer feared the Lord or had a reverence and respect for God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. The fear of the Lord causes people to depart from evil. Proverbs eight thirteen says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. The people no longer feared God. They no longer revered God or his word. And so the nation of Israel sunk into wickedness and ungodliness. By the way, if you're trying to figure out what's happening in our nation, that's what's happening in our nation. We have lost the fear of God, the reverence of God, and his word over the last 50 or 60 years. And because there's no fear of God or reverence for his word in our nation, wickedness is prevailing and ungodliness is prevailing. That's why we should pray for a revival in our nation. Because that's what it's going to, it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. And it requires a spiritual solution. And so pray for a revival. Pray that God turns the hearts of people back to Him and back to His Word. Look at verse 6 For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God does not change. God is immutable. That's what that means. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James says there's no shadow of turning with God, there's no variableness with God. God's opinion doesn't change over time, God's opinion doesn't change with the culture. And here, when it comes to Israel, the people of Israel, the sons of Jacob, when it comes to choosing Israel, God hasn't changed his mind about Israel. And God says here, essentially, the only reason Jacob was not consumed and wiped out by God for all of their sin and all of their rebellion was because God does not change his mind. And God has chosen them. And God has made a covenant with them. And God will keep his promises and keep his covenant. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for the gift and the calling of God is irrevocable. The gift and calling of God is irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind. And God doesn't change his mind about us either. Praise the Lord, right? He he doesn't, you know, choose us. And then when we sin and fail, change his mind about us. When you fail, when I fail, God doesn't come to us and say, hey, when I picked you, I didn't realize that you were going to be doing this, and I'm changing my answer now. You're no longer accepted. You're no longer adopted. You're unadopted, whatever that word would be. You're, you're unadopted now. No. The calling of God is irrevocable. He doesn't revoke his calling on your life. He doesn't revoke his choice. He promises to never leave us and never forsake us. And that's what he says to the sons of Jacob. The only reason you're still around is because I don't change. And I've made these promises to you. It's not because of you. It's because of me that I haven't smoked you yet for all of your rebellion. Look what he says in verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you. Says the Lord of hosts, but you say, and what way shall we return? You, you think back to Israel's history when God delivered Israel, the children of Israel, out of their bondage in Egypt. And God brought them to Mount Sinai, He brought them to Mount Horeb to make a covenant with them. And, and Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he went up on the mountain to to enter into this covenant with God on behalf of the people of Israel, make a covenant with with God. And while Moses was on the mountain receiving the covenant, what were the children of Israel doing? Making a golden calf down at the bottom of the mountain, saying this is now our God that delivered us out of Egypt. And they began to worship the golden calf. From the day they were brought out of Egypt, they rebelled against God. That's what he says here in verse 7. You have gone away from my ordinances from the days of your fathers. you've, You've always been rebellious, even from our very first day together at Mount Sinai. And here, though, look at verse seven. The Lord pleads with them and says, return to me. Return to me. And I'll return to you. Now now if, if you were in this relationship with someone and, and from like your very first day that you've known them, they have burned you and and sinned against you and wronged you, and you started out the conversation by saying, You have always done this from the first day I've known you, probably the next sentence you're gonna say is, I'm finished.
1: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First
2: Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
1: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of
2: Truth. I'm done giving you opportunities to get this right. It's over. I'm out. But here God says, you've always done this to me. You've always rebelled against me. You've never kept my ordinances, but just return to me. Just return to me. And I'll return to you. Just grace. Just grace. Return to me and I'll return to you. God invites them to return to him, to turn back to the Lord and begin walking in his ways from this point forward. You've got this long history of of always rebelling, of always going against me, never doing what I've asked you to do. But from this point forward, you can return to me and just start walking in my ways and I'll receive you and I'll forgive you. And we can start afresh today. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. All we have to do is just turn to Jesus Christ. And he receives us. If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. And it doesn't matter What your history is or how long you've rebelled against him or how long you've you've walked contrary to him. If you turn to Jesus Christ, he will turn to you and he will forgive you and you can start fresh today. His mercies are new every morning. And and everything in the past, it's all put under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all erased and we can just start right here. Just return to me now, and I'll return to you. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You start walking in my ways, and we'll start fresh right here. It's amazing, isn't it? How God treats us. Now he goes on here in verse 8. Well, at the end of verse 7, he makes this amazing, gracious offer to them, and they say, well, in what way shall we return? He's so gracious, isn't he? (laughs) Now verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. They've robbed God in their tithes and offerings. If you remember from chapter 1, the people were offering, you know, they're lame and they're blind and they're diseased and they're sick animals to God. They were not giving God their best. They were giving God their worst, their leftovers, the animals that were worthless to them. They were offering that even when they had healthy, good animals to offer to God. They just handed over, you know, the things that they don't want. You were supposed to give God your best, your first fruits. And they gave God what was useless to them. And God says, you're robbing me. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? You're robbing me. You're stealing from me. You're robbing God by not giving to him. Now, the word tithe here, it it means a tenth or 10%. This is where we get the idea of giving a tenth as a tithe to God. And uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, tithing, that's the law. Well, uh, tithing actually predates the law of Moses. Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek in Genesis 14, before there was a law. So it doesn't. its origin is not in the law. It existed before the law. And as Christians, we should be givers. Christians should be the most generous people. We should be givers. Givers of our material and financial resources to the Lord, as well as givers of our time and our energy to the Lord. The Bible says, what, what do you have that you did not receive from the Lord Everything that we have comes from God. Any success that we have in life or any success you have in, in, in your career, uh, it comes from the Lord. And so we should give back to him in return for all he has given to us. Now, as you know, here at Calvary Chapel, we, we don't receive a, an offering. Uh, we, we never really ask for money. But if you're a Christian, you should be a giver. A generous giver. As an act of worship, We should give as an act of thanksgiving to God. We should give as a way of acknowledging God's goodness and God's provision and God's blessing on our lives. We should give as a way of honoring God with the things that he's given to us. We should give as a way of investing in the kingdom of God. We should give. And I have a few verses for you to consider about tithing and giving. First of all, 2 Corinthians 8.12 says that we should give according to what you have. Give according to what you have. Uh, so, so that means, first of all, you have to know what you have. <laughs> you need to know how much you make. How much your household makes. A lot of people don't even know that. For, for, for one person, giving 10% may be too much to give. If you're not really making that much, you've got three kids and diapers, and you're buying diapers and formula and, you know, trying to pay rent, and 10% may be too much. For uh, another person, 10% may be too little. I mean, if you're making, you know, $50 million a year, I'm, you know, I always try to pick a number that I think nobody in the audience is making. That about. If you're making $50 million, I'm not singling you out. And I'd love, to, I'd love to have lunch with you this week. If, uh... But if you make $50 million, you probably can live on more than 90% or less than 90% and give more than 10% of your income. And, and so I think in the New Testament, it's not, it's not really a 10%. It's not really a number, but we give according to what we have. And, you know, one of the things about tithing or giving that is good It's just one of the things, but it it causes a person to seriously look at their finances and figure out how much they have, how much they make, and what they're spending their money on. And if you're here and you would say, I can't afford to tithe, or I can't afford to give, or there's no way I could give 10%, why not? Why can't you? What, what, are, what are you spending your money on? It, it, it may be you're spending too much of your money on other things. Or it may be that you're living above your means and you own things and are paying for things on credit that you can't really afford. And maybe you need to make some changes to how you spend your money. Maybe you need to get on a budget. And so giving causes us to examine our finances and get our finances in order. And that's just a good thing. That's a healthy way to live. Another verse for you, 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give... As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here he mentions this principle, Paul mentions this principle of of sowing and reaping. And he says those that sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. There's a law there of sowing and reaping. He also says here that you are to uh, purpose in your heart what you should give. That, that means you need to pray about it. And, and thoughtfully and prayerfully decide what you should give. Again, not just financially, but of your time, your energy to the Lord. Romans 12 says that we're to make our lives a living sacrifice to God. Everything belongs to him. Everything's come from him. Everything belongs to him. And so we, we pray and purpose in our hearts. What does the Lord want me to give? How much does he want me to give? And we're not to give grudgingly, right? Like out of a, with a bad attitude, right? There's no reward for that. So you might as well just keep your money. Because you're not going to get rewarded if you have a bad attitude while you're giving. Not to give out of necessity or because someone has manipulated you or pressured you. But God loves a cheerful giver. The word literally means a hilarious giver. That we should be able to laugh. Yeah, sure, I can, I can give to that. Yeah, we got money for that. Yeah, I don't know how we have money for that, but we got money for that, right? There's this whole sowing and reaping thing. Another verse, Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So that, listen. Here's that principle of sowing and reaping. If you sow bountifully, you'll, you'll reap bountifully. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Again, we honor the Lord with our possessions and giving is a way of just honoring God. And as, as we give generously, as we sow generously, we'll reap generously. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it?
3: He asked me how I know, and I say, been sure than the
1: finest crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Malachi, one of the Old Testament books of prophecy. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. God's Word can speak to you in a variety of ways, and it can reach you in personal ways too. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. While you're visiting our website, You might be interested in learning more about the church that supports this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. You can even come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, visit calvaryec.com for details. As you explore the website, you'll notice a tab for giving and a tab for serving opportunities. Make sure to check those out. And think about being a part of this ministry and the church as a whole. If you have questions, give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize
3: the we